Buckle up, my friends. This is part number five of our series, New Ideas for the New Year. Uh, my name is Glenn, and uh, this is the What If Project podcast, episode 275. And today we're talking to Tina Hart. Now, I told you that this series is going to present a wide variety of ideas uh, for the new year that will hopefully speak to everyone in some way, right? Every episode might not be for everyone, but hopefully every episode will speak to someone, if that makes sense. I don't know. Anyway, uh, we've talked about astrology, right? We've talked about uh, Jesus and his Aramaic tongue and how the Aramaic language that Jesus would have spoke can uh, give us some enhanced perspective on some of his teachings and the stories about him. Uh, we've talked about deconstruction. We've talked about Dharma, right? Today we're talking to uh, Tina Hart, who is a, a medium. Uh, she operates in circles of mediumship and psychic circles. And she, along with her friend uh, Carrie Paris, put together a deck of oracle cards called the Beloved Dead, uh, an oracle for divining ancestral wisdom. Now, her publisher got in touch with me uh, over the summer, completely random. And uh, I've done work with their publisher before, but they reached out to me and said, hey, we have this person, Tina Hart, uh, who did this deck of cards. Would you want to talk to her? And I'm like, yes, right? Because my father passed away in March, and I've got all sorts of questions about what happens when we die, right? Like I've deconstructed hell and heaven and all the different things. But now I'm like in this place of mystery where I'm like reading about like Buddhist traditions and like what they believe, uh, a little bit more about like Jewish traditions and more about uh, even like Hindu and all different ideas. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to do with any of it, right? Like it's all a mystery. Who, who really knows what happens when we die? Does anybody really know? I don't know. But I've come to this place where I believe that something happens. We don't just go away. I really don't believe that. Uh, I don't think we just go away. I, I think the universe, God, spirit, whatever, is good and full of love. And I've got to believe that when we close our eyes here for the last time, we fall back into that ocean of love and we don't cease to exist. But we exist in a different way, in a different form. And all that's been solidified in my mind because I, I've had a lot of experiences in the last six months where I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that my dad is still here right now. I honestly believe that. And I had this one experience. I don't even think I talk about it in the episode, but I'm going to share it with you really quick. Uh, we were going on a family walk at the end of the summer after dinner. And we just got back from the beach you know, vacations ending, Jordan's going to go back to school. I'm in all of my feels because I'm already, I'm, this, this has been a season of grief. Everything's, feel like everything's ending. And now something else is ending, right? The summer. And everything's going to go back to the way it is when everybody's doing their thing and, you know, vacation's over. And we're going for a walk and it was after dinner. I had a, I had a coffee, a tumbler with coffee in it. And my dad loved his coffee. And my dad loved butterflies. And we're walking maybe you know, two streets down from our house. And this butterfly came and landed on my coffee cup. 
and its little antenna things were in like a little puddle of coffee that was in the lip of the tumbler, like drinking the coffee. And then it flew away and landed on my shoulder and stayed on my shoulder while we were walking. And then it flew back onto my coffee cup or onto my, sorry, onto my arm. And Jordan reached out and actually touched its wing. And then it flew onto her bike and was on her bike handle while she was riding her bike. And I swear to you, like all the hair on my arm stood up. And I, I, had, I had this inner consciousness, this inner voice say, that's, that's dad. He's here. He's here. I hear his, his favorite song comes on the radio all the time. All the time. We have wind chimes in the back. Uh, somebody got us for, got got them for us when when he passed away, and they're on the shed because he loved working in his shed and doing his lawn work and stuff. So I put my chimes on the shed, and I'll hear them dinging sometimes. And there's no breeze blowing. I'll go outside because I'm like there has to be a breeze. There's no breeze, but the chimes are dinging. So I I don't know. Friends, I don't know what happens when we die, <laughs> but I have to believe that something mysterious, mysteriously good happens. And so I had a lot of questions for Tina, and she's so kind. She was so gentle with my heart, with my questions. We talk about the work she does. We talk about what happens when we die. We talk about these deck of cards. We pull some cards. I share some experiences I've had regarding the cards that I've gotten to use them a little bit more. And uh, this is a good one. It's going to stretch you, though. Okay, If you're like me and you grew up in a fundamentalist Christian setting, you might not believe that stuff anymore, but there's still a voice inside right now that's telling you that this is crazy talk. Uh, Tina's a quack, right? Psychics are crazy. Mediums are scammers. Stay away. Alert, alert. Stay away, right? Everything inside of you is blinking. Turn off the episode. Don't. Okay, give it a chance. Just listen to what she has to say. Uh, this is the What If Project. We explore the question, what if there are ways of thinking about God and faith and all this stuff that's just different than what our traditions have handed us? And what if we can learn from somebody else? And what if what they have to share can make us better stewards of what we already believe uh, in our own in our own faith journey? So anyway, my friends, all of her links are in the show notes, links to my books in the show notes, Patreon if you want to support the show in the show notes. But for now, episode 275 with Tina Hart, The Beloved Dead. Enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're sitting down with a brand new guest uh, to talk about some brand new things. Her name is Tina Hart, and along with uh, Carrie Parrish, she put together an amazing tool called The Beloved Dead, an Oracle for Divine Ancestral Wisdom. And so, uh, Tina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for making time for us. Thank you for your work. I've got a lot of questions. <laughs> wow, let's let her rip. Let her rip. <laughs> we'll just dive right in. So first thing is first, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners who maybe are not familiar with you, are not familiar with your work, 
Um, who is Tina Hart? What do we need to know about you? I think psychologists have been working on that one for quite a while. <laughs> we'll bring them on and we'll ask them. <laughs> so, but in a nutshell, <laughs> I'm um, I'm a, a writer and a ghostwriter. Um, I'm also a messenger. I give people helpful messages. So I'm a diviner um, and I sit in psychic mediumship circles. So what do you believe... The big question. What do you believe about the afterlife? Because a lot of our listeners, myself, and we'll talk more about this in a little while, but they come from a, uh, I come from a very evangelical background where it's very fundamentalist, very conservative. And I don't, not in those waters anymore, but those are like where my roots are. So growing up, it was all about, you know, you got to believe the right things or you're going to go to hell. You believe the right things and you go to heaven. It's like those two places. So I think a lot of our listeners are they're deconstructing, so to speak, from that sort of mindset. But one of the questions I love to ask people who come on the show, especially someone like yourself who is doing the work you're doing, is what do you believe about the afterlife? We close our eyes here for the last time, so to speak. What happens next? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> How much uh, time do you have, right? <laughs> first of all, what you first explained, and mm -hmm. we can get into that later, Um I, I used to play billiards and I was around the billiard store for quite a while. And as a Canadian, mm. I had never really uh, come into contact with that fundamentalist um, point of view. And mm. so I met a few of these people. So I really, I under, I, I have a good idea of how difficult sometimes it can be. Mm -hmm deconstruct from that but yeah. we can get into that a little bit later mm -hmm. um, personally i'm going to completely rip off einstein here because i think he said the best thing he said souls were souls dressed up in sacred biochemical garments mm -hmm. and i believe that when our containers break and we have free will so we will either choose to go home and transition or we'll stay earthbound and just bug the living hell out of the living. <laughs> One of two options. I have a list of people I'd like to bug if I'm going to be hanging out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking my, my father, I think I mentioned the emails, but my father passed away in March. And so I've been doing a lot of thinking about this sort of question, especially deconstructing what I used to believe. Like, I feel like I gave up on those beliefs a while ago, but I never really reconstructed anything in its place it's been kind of just like fuzzy and i don't really know but then when my father passed away i was like well i want to think more about this because this is a question that really matters to me and my daughter she's sick she's asking different questions I was like what do i really believe about this so i was doing some reading in some like the buddhist tradition and i came across this idea of like the the ocean and the waves right and how like the 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 ocean you know the ocean just beautiful huge body of water and out of the ocean arise these waves that are beautiful and they're majestic and they do their thing. And you're like, Ooh, ah, oh, that's amazing. But then it crashes into a rock or into the beach and it dissolves back into the ocean. It doesn't cease to be necessarily. It's still there. It just kind of falls back into the ocean. So I've been thinking about that in terms of like our lives and how, you know, perhaps we're just like waves that come up out of the ocean for 50, 60, 70 80 years and it's beautiful it's majestic there's highs and there's lows but then eventually we crash upon 
a rock we crash upon the beach we crash my father crashed upon cancer some people crash upon old age or different things like that and we fall back into that ocean of the divine and what happens after that whether we have different choices or decisions to make or whatever it might be but it gave me some comfort to think that maybe we don't cease to exist but we just manifest in a different form than we are right now i think sometimes it's important not to think that we have all the answers because yes. that we have all the answers that we stop asking questions that's right and usually our understanding of this body of information comes from constantly asking questions and then being still enough uh, to be there for the information mm -hmm. which comes through. And that's a beautiful, serene image mm. that you presented, you know, and sitting, sitting in these circles and actually uh, connecting with non-form consciousness is certainly given me a brand new uh, perspective and it has certainly let me know that consciousness does survive death it survives death it is different but it's yeah. yeah i love that and i love that i love what you said about mystery because i think again like coming from my background i was all about having the answers you know yeah. i read every book on theology i could read you could wow. ask me a question i, I could defend it you know, I had all the answers because that's just the world we came in. There's a verse in the Bible that says, like, be prepared to give an answer, you know, for your beliefs kind of thing. And so that was always drilled into my head that if somebody asks you a question about life, about death, about God, whatever, you need to have an answer and you need to have your verses to back it up. And so I've let go of that mindset, but that's that hardwiring is still in my brain very often. And so even in questions like this, I can find myself kind of reverting back to that old approach of I have to find the answer. And so I'll dig into this tradition, that tradition, this makes more sense, that makes less sense, and try to put together some kind of system <laughs> in my head for what happens. But like you said, there's mystery. And I think that's the beauty of it. And that's what I'm, I'm finding myself embracing now is more of that mystical mindset of, I don't know, I can hold loosely to all of these ideas because I think they're all very interesting. But at the end of the day, I don't really know what happened. I just believe that something happens. And I have to believe if the universe, I believe the universe is good. I believe that God or the divine is a being of love. So I have to believe that whatever the case may be, will fall back into being taken care of, whatever that might look like. <laughs> Sometimes too, the answers are between the lines. Yeah. Right? And it takes a, it takes a certain mindful practice to uh be still enough to but but it's important to be a seeker yeah a seeker part of the joy it's the part of the joy of being alive i have a story i have a story this is not sure. supposed to have been <laughs> tell me i like stories <laughs> okay so my parents were um catholic i mean mm -hmm. catholic um my grandmother was practicing just beautiful woman um, beautiful woman and, and truly used her religion to become a better person. Mm -hmm. My parents, uh, they just wanted me to go to Sunday school, mm. possibly because it was babysitting. <laughs> can't get rid of you for a little while. <laughs> so I remember I went one day and they gave me a pamphlet mm -hmm. and it was a little book and it was, <laughs> it was a little boy 
who was there you could see the church in the background and everyone was in service and this little boy was outside there was a brick wall and he was playing alleys <laughs> on a Sunday he was outside of the church playing alleys <laughs> and there were these horrific demons mm. uh, around him I mean they looked like something right out of a Hieronymus Bosch painting and mm. they were terrifying mm. you know really terrifying and I looked at this and even when I was young, I looked at this and thought, you know, this isn't right. Like, first of all, I could see myself like playing alleys, you know, there's the shadow. I could also see myself in the church, right? Mm -hmm. you know, but why would you have to resort if, if uh, faith, why would a faith have to resort to propaganda? So there becomes the seeding of the terror. Mm. And make no mistake, if you're not in here doing what we expect you to do on a Sunday at this time, then you are going to hell. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. The result of that, it is an indoctrination. It is a seeding. Yep. And that seeding hides like, like, a, like a pesky squatter in our psyche, in our memories, just waiting for the right trigger yep. to be you know, to, to wreak havoc. And yeah. so the, I, I don't know why that story came to mind, but it did. So what do you say to the person who, you know, we're, we're getting into this conversation about the dead, what happens when we die? Mm -hmm. uh, we'll talk about in a minute, you know, communicating with these souls or these spirits. Like, what do you say to the person who they're there? They were brought up in that fundamentalist place where, you know, they were told all this stuff is off limits. Cause for me, I was told, you know, this is the doorway to Satan. <laughs> Open, you know, any kind of communication, anything, even dabbling in those waters with the dead is going to open you up to all sorts of things. Like somebody who's trying to let go of that mentality, they're interested in this topic. Maybe they're going to pick up these cards that we're going to talk about in a minute. Like what are some ways somebody can try to drop their guard a little bit? Have you given any thought to that kind of thing? Oh, yes. Um, there are some key words there. They, mm -hmm. there, There is the unmistakable presence of opinions and beliefs and indoctrination mm -hmm. that has led to this sort of the earth is flat mindset. Yeah. And there is a little bit, uh, it takes a lot of energy, um, a lot of sort of effort to unpack this response and part of me is i don't even know how this is even a reasonable uh response because first of all there's a false understanding in place and it presumes that all non-form consciousness <clears throat> people who have have died mm -hmm. right are demonic mm -hmm. right so now first of all I mean, education and a more enlightened and experienced and ethical source of information um, needs to be in place, right? Not all non-form consciousness is demonic, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, the demonic has never been human, first of all. And souls that have transitioned, <clears throat> they vibrate so differently than earthbound spirits or ghosts, mm -hmm. right? As we would call them and even the lowest of the low in that category of energy is not demonic mm. 
Um, and I have come into condos. Thankfully, I've never come into anything demonic, mm-hmm. to be honest. And I, nor do I ever want to. I would never go out even searching for that professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have experienced that uh, that low, malicious, angry, hateful, um, that kind of energy. Mm-hmm. And, and even that's not demonic. So the the problem is that there is a, there is a fear body in place here, mm-hmm. and you can't approach this work with fear. I think when I got the when I first got the the deck, which I'm going to hold up for our, our listeners who are watching on the on the video, but when I first got it, I was like, my inner Christian soldier was like, oh my god, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, like it was so much fear and so much anxiety, and then I opened up the book. And I, I read like the first couple of pages. I'm like, all right, this doesn't seem like it's quite as scary as maybe I've been taught that it is. And I started to look at the images on the cards and I started to really feel like I feel some sort of peace coming over me a little bit. And so then I thought to myself, okay, well, I'm going to read the book. I'm going to read some of the book. And I saw, you know, about like the, the, the throne card where you put that card in front of you and you kind of put a picture of your loved one on that on that thing. And you kind of invite that person. Like, okay. So thinking like about my dad, like my dad just passed away and I just started thinking about him and getting a picture in my mind of him sitting in his recliner at, at their house and just tried to picture that and just invite him to come. And I was like, okay, this doesn't seem as threatening as it did when I was sitting in the classroom being told about all these different things. So I think that once I let go of some of that fear, like you said, um, there was a lot more clarity that came into my mind revolving this topic around this topic and kind of what what it's all about control using fear that never leads to anything good yeah that that doesn't i don't know that doesn't help uh like a human being evolve so well the vibration of love does not feel like that Mm -hmm. well that's something i would automatically say that that is where our loyalty has to go we ask ourselves how does our heart feel here yeah right is it is are, are we are we afraid of something you know has, has it's been instilled yeah right and just ask is this the seeding at play or is this something genuinely authentically love-based yeah. rather than fear-based yeah um but the beloved the beloved dead the work that we did now the word I, I, I don't think I should say this, but I do, right? Originally, we called it the spirit oracle, but then mm. we went with the word beloved dead. Dead can be, as a takeaway, dead can be a frightening word mm-hmm. on a lot of levels. But let's just take that out of the equation, the focus on the beloved part, right? Mm-hmm. Because the whole thing about the beloved dead and the way that I see this is that they're an elite special task force of ancestors, and let's think about the math of ancestry for a second, right? Mm-hmm. We have two parents, four grandparents, 16 great grandparents, 32, 64. All of those souls stand behind us. Mm-hmm. So this elite special task force of ancestors, their superpowers are that they've lived, they've experienced life, mm-hmm. they've experienced heartbreak they've experienced joy the challenges and they have accumulated wisdom and now that they've passed on they are 
blessed with this more enlightened perspective on things that we, you know, here in mm-hmm. in, the, in the land of form are still dealing with. Yeah. And every single one of these cards is like a portal into that specific wisdom. Mm. They're here to help. They're mm. here to help. I love they that. Were human, they were human too. They made mistakes. Yeah. If you even think about what they had to go through, think about, think about, a, you know, the, the females at the time that couldn't, couldn't divorce and had abusive uh, husbands and they couldn't, they couldn't leave the house or yeah. so many other issues and all of that stuff trickles down and stays in our epigenetic markers mm-hmm. and is still looking and seeking expression in choices that we make. Yeah. So this becomes less of a, um, a, uh, I mean, it's a spiritual, but it becomes a, a highly useful psychological tool, mm-hmm. right? The beloved dead are here basically asking us to take a look at maybe where some limiting inherited patterns are, mm-hmm. uh, things that we do, beliefs that, that come from beliefs or become from how we were raised, you know, and it's not asking us to hate where we came from or blame or be resentful. It's asking us just to table these things so that we can make better choices, clear yeah. decisions. Yeah. That's what kind of tool this is. Mm-hmm. Would you say then, I mean, our, our listeners are becoming more familiar with tarot because we've had some tarot readers come on the show and they've shared some different things. But a lot of the language that you're sharing I think people can begin to see some overlaps into the world of tarot because one of the kind of the myths that we we debunked early on with tarot on the show was that you know they're not meant to like predict the future or they're not meant to you know it doesn't have to be like this scary world of you know you pull the death card and that means this horrible thing is about to happen to you or something like that because there's so much baggage that those cards carry thanks largely in part to the media and even like movies and different things like that but I think when you peel back all those layers, what those cards really do is help you see things that maybe you're just not seeing in your life that's been there the whole time. You might look at a card and you might see, you know, like the fool and you might see him going on this journey and you might see that he's taking his little bag with him, but he's leaving maybe the larger pieces of his baggage behind that might awaken something and you're like, oh yes, you know, and you might see something in your life that's been there the whole time. So when I hear you talk about these cards, and our ancestors who are standing behind us and you pull this card and maybe it's one of our ancestors speaking to us from their experience. And you might see, Oh my goodness. Like I never thought about this angle of this situation going on in my life. and can just help you make a better decision or maybe a more confident step going forward into whatever it is that you were dealing with in your day. Maybe they're saying, you know, I'm so proud of you because quite frankly, I, I never made that decision. I chose this path and, yeah. and, see you choosing this path yeah you know that also helps heal the ancestral line but let's talk about that death card for an instant yeah please (laughs) there's another reason why that death card can be um so frightening Mm -hmm. it's because there's no looking back we're creatures of habit we don't like change and with that card it basically says that that um you are transitioning out of something there's part of you that will not be the same and let's face it fear is scary and it's much easier for us sometimes to stay unhappy and to stay in 
um, you know, make the same mistakes over and over and over again, better the devil you know than the devil you don't know, right? Yeah. yeah. So that card is, that card is, it, it, it shakes people out of their complacency. Yeah. That to me is more frightening more frightening on an unconscious level yeah you know then because he's holding the banner of the harvest he's he he is but he's saying you know like you have to you know whether you want to or not you have to go through this Mm -hmm. because there is victory and there is the there is the 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 harvest afterwards Mm -hmm. but it's just that that journey that journey but we all have to go through those things in our life at times. Yeah. And I think you see, I mean, it's just the way death comes in seasons, right? That's just the way that the world works. I mean, even where I live now, it's starting to get cold outside. The leaves are falling off the trees. Like there's a sense of a death, so to speak, has moved in, but there's a cycle, right? The spring will come, the summer will come. Things will look very different because everything grows a little bit. Everything changes a little bit, but at the end of the day, that death does lead to some lead to some sort of new of new life. And I think that if we can look at that card and the cards that we maybe perceive as scary through that kind of a lens, I think it again helps drop the fear around it that we've all been told to pick up with it. And what and what is it that we do when the weather starts getting cold? And what is it you feel like doing? Bundle up, brew some hot chocolate. <laughs> yep. It's time to rest. Yeah, exactly. It's a time to, um, you know, go go inside and explore, and yep. you know, that's right. So it's always working with an energy as opposed to being in conflict with it and yep. arguing with it. That's the that's the key, I think. That's right. All right. So somebody gets this deck and they take it home. Uh, what can they expect when they open up this box? And what is maybe a good practice to kind of start use, get off on the right foot with this deck? Because again, for somebody talk to us, like we don't know anything because for me, I didn't know anything, open up this box and know what I was getting into. So like, what, what can somebody expect? And then maybe I'll share a story that I have for you that right. with the cards, and then maybe you can have some stories too, but first things first, somebody gets the deck, they peel off the plastic. What's next? <laughs> so now you, um, um, Carrie, um, my beloved partner, she's moved uh, to Italy. So she's in transition. She's moved to Luca, Italy. And if she were here, you guys would just love her. She is like, um, she's just like a ray of sunshine. Mm. And she's wicked smart, as they mm. say, in Boston, right? She's just <laughs> wicked, right? <laughs> wicked smart. So she's, there's a whole bunch of Carrie when you open that box. Mm. But first of all, it's very true. It feels almost, it's going to feel like you're in an attic and you've discovered a box on the shelf and you go to the box and you open it up and it's like all kinds of Victorian cabinet cards and all kinds of these people who, um, who uh, belong to a different time in history. Mm. Um, and when you open it up, it's like suddenly... Um, you know, so it, it almost does feel like there's some some magic that just comes it comes out of the box, and you'll get to meet these um this team, the spirit team. You'll get to meet them one by one, and oh my gosh, they're chatty. They'll start talking to you. They'll start mm. saying things 
and you'll you understand i think this deck is so very very easy to become attuned with and i think that's a, a lot because of what we kind of laid into the work we were building it but you you will you'll be like okay enough already <laughs> <laughs> quiet that's, that's funny <laughs> yeah i mean for me when i um one of the i think I've used it. I have probably used it maybe like 15, 20 times since I've gotten it. So I try to use it maybe a couple of times a week and it's been very, okay. I've, I'm starting to get a little bit more comfortable with it. And I think there's, there's a lot in there, like in the book, there's a lot of different like spreads you can do a lot of different kind of ideas for talking to the different, you know, uh, souls or spirits on the spirit team. Um, and for me, what I've been trying to do is because not to overwhelm myself too much is to kind of use it to really direct towards my father because right now he's like the freshest in my mind and so like you like we said earlier you know in, in the deck i have it here in front of me but just so our youtube people can see it uh there's the the spirit throne card right and i think in the book like it talks about putting that card in front of you and then putting a picture of your loved one on it kind of thing so i've been doing that religiously a couple of times a week and kind of some stuff surrounding my father's passing. I haven't really even talked about this too much on the show. So I guess we'll just, we'll just go there. It feels like, it feels like the spirit is leading that way. So I, I was, it was a Saturday, a Saturday night and it was like one o'clock in the morning. And my mom had apparently called like three or four times before starting at like 10 o'clock. But I was, for whatever reason, I had really bad allergies. I was fast asleep. I took a couple Benadryls that night and I was just out cold. Yeah, and my okay. wife for whatever reason, she didn't hear the phone either. And so finally I heard it at one o'clock and I saw there was like four missed calls. So I'm like, that's never good when you see a one o'clock in the morning phone call. So I'm, I said, I said, what's the matter? What's the matter? My mom said, you have to come to the hospital like now. And I was like, okay. You know, so I quick got my clothes on. I ran out the door, like a 30 minute drive there. And I got there and when I walked in the room, you know, my dad was not doing well at all. He was in a lot of pain. And, but yet his face lit up when he saw me, you know, and he reached out to me and I went over and I grabbed his hand and I was there with them for a couple hours, I guess. And he was, he was in a lot of pain, a lot, was a lot of suffering and they gave him some medicine to kind of calm him a little bit and help him, you know, rest. And he passed away and I was holding his hand when he took his last, his last breath. And it was just, it was a traumatic experience. And like, I, it was, it was just, it was so much to process. And my, I went home with my mom. We, I, we had separate cars. So I followed her home and on my way home, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, I've never really grieved before because yeah. life in the church taught me you jam all your feelings away for everybody else, because you have a job to do. You've got to preach sermons. You've got to lead Bible studies. You've got to help people. Your feelings are important, but they don't matter as much as everybody else. So it was like this martyrish thing to do, you know, to kind of take one for the team. And so that's just the way I've always been. I've always just jammed my feelings away. I was driving home. Like, I don't remember the last time I cried. That's what I was really thinking. I was like, this just isn't a healthy way to process your grief. And so I was like, I have to do it differently this time. And so I've really been doing my best to embrace that, that grief and those feelings when they come up. But uh, anyway, so when I got this deck and I, was talking to my dad about these things. I talk to my dad all the time. I'm just assuming he can hear me. And so, you know, I'm talking to him and I said to him, like, that night was just an awful night, you know? And I said, I, I felt so bad because I wasn't there. 
when they called me at 10 o'clock, like there's a four hour gap, you know, that I wasn't there. And like, what were you thinking, you know, when I wasn't there and, you know, I'm so sorry. And like all these different things were just coming to my mind. And I said, I, I hated to see you suffering. And like, I'm so sorry you had to go through all of that and all these different things. So the cards I pulled was just like, crazy like this is what got me i was like this has to of all these cards these are the two cards that i pulled like it has to be my father speaking to me so the cards i pulled were the as is card and the service card and so the as is card is obviously just like the title is things are as they are right and like i felt like my dad my dad always said that to me like this is the situation that we're in can't change it like this is where we're at you know and so Stop trying to hold on to the way you wish things should be or the way you think things should be and open up your hand so you can embrace like what is because as different as it is, as much as you might not like it to be the way that it is, it is the way that it is. And can we find some goodness in the death? You know, the, the death card has come kind of kind of kind of thing. Something old has passed away, but something new is on the horizon and can you open your hands, you know, to receive that thing. And so that's kind of the message I got with that card. But then the service card really struck me because, and it's, it's what was written in the book. I'm not sure did if you wrote the book or you wrote it with Kate. Yeah, you wrote the book. So you already know where I'm going to go with it, but the service card towards the end of the, of the little blurb. Medical emergency. Yeah. It says when this card is validating a loved one or an individual, Service can also reveal a passing that may have involved an accident or a sudden medical event where an urgent response and care were required. Your loved ones don't want you to hang on to any trauma involving the situation. They want you to know that they are good and whole, and they want only to tend to your heart in this time. And for me, that just like shook me to the core because I've literally been carrying around this invisible baggage of guilt that I was sleeping in those phone calls and that I missed all this stuff. And I felt like it was just, I really felt my dad's presence. I really felt a warmth come over me, like the hair on my arms stood up. And I felt like my dad was saying, I'm good. I was good there in that room that night. I was good and I'm good now. And now it's important to tend to your heart. And I'm here to help you take your steps forward in your life. And I'm not going anywhere. You just can't see me. <laughs> and I, for whatever reason, all of that brought me so much comfort. And so I am a huge proponent of this deck and whatever way people use it, however it's used, I think it can do bring a lot of healing in people's lives. So with the as is card, that is one of the active love cards too. And what that is also telling you is that the acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. First of all, you heard your father's voice, right? Say, just listen, there it is, right? There was nothing really what that says is there was nothing you could have done there mm. it is yeah it requires an acceptance because without that you're carrying that trauma forward you're carrying that trauma of the situation of how he passed forward mm. and they don't they don't want that mm. had you been there four hours earlier glenn what could you have done you could have contributed to the, you You might have contributed to his worries because now he's he has to watch, do you know, he has to watch his loved ones around him 
and it's a it it is a it's a, a battle for him mm. to let go and be at peace. Yeah. And you were there. You were there, which is what matters. Mm. Yeah. And you know, there are there are cases where people aren't there mm-hmm. and they forever hold that guilt. Yeah. But as you see, he's he's around he's around you. Yeah. That was just uh that was just one event. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly I hear not okay. define the life mm-hmm. and the love mm-hmm. and the bond that you experienced with him. I'll hear his I'll hear his favorite songs come on the radio a lot. And it's funny, like it's older what songs like like Boston, you know, that was one of his favorite bands. And like that, you know, it's not like common music played on the radio all the time, but literally after he passed away for the first three months, I was walking through Home Depot, one of his favorite stores, and that song came on the radio randomly. Boston? In, in, yeah, in Home Depot. And do you think it's just a little bit weird that I never call people wicked smart, right? right? I'm Californian. That's and right. Said, like the from Boston. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you said that before, I, thought, my initially, I immediately thought of the band Boston because of my dad <laughs> and this conversation we're going to have. But I've heard that song so many times. Um, he loved hummingbirds and butterflies. And so there have been hummingbirds popping up here and there. A butterfly. I was walking with my daughter and my wife uh, back in the summer, and I had a cup of coffee in my hand. And my dad loved this coffee, and <laughs> we were walking, and literally a butterfly came and rested on the cup, the coffee cup. And my wife was like, "It's not even flying away." I was like, "It's so weird." And then it flew and it sat on my shoulder right here while we were walking. And then my daughter even touched its wing, and then it flew away. But again, like it's just those kinds of things that show me like. Man, there's got to be, there's so much mystery involved in it, but there it's, it's got to be good. And it's got to be so much more than the definitive black and white answers I was given as a kid. So what would you recommend to people? I mean, who would come from that perspective that any sort of opening up to this as a potential or possibility would be demonic and they would be robbed of the experience the experiences that you're having, what would you say to them? Yeah. Oh, we're going to turn the interview around now. <laughs> I think that, you know, it's like, it's <laughs> here we go. I think, <laughs> I think that I would say like, you know, especially on the podcast, people have been following for a long time. We've been embracing mystery in all sorts of different areas. Like we talk about theological things like, you know, big things like atonement, you know, we talk about the afterlife, we talk about heaven, we talk about, um, you know, different stories in the Bible. And a lot of the places that we land in those topics is, I don't know, I don't know, you know, there's, but there's mystery involved and that mystery is a good thing. And it opens up our imagination to explore and to wonder about God and the divine and all these different things. So I think if we can carry that same mindset and that same approach into this topic, I think that's just a natural progression for us because we're all, again, we're at 260 episodes of this podcast. We've been exploring a lot of topics. And so I think if we can realize that that same approach to those topics can be brought over to here, it makes it seem less scary. And I also think that getting a deck like this is very 
helpful because again, the guidebook is wonderful. There's so many different things in there that I think immediately can help you drop your guard a little bit because the way that you write about this topic in that book is uh, a lot less scary than a lot of the things that I came across in my church upbringing and things like that. And again, it just makes you able to drop the guard. So I think there's there's that, but then also is take it take it slowly. Like there's no reason to open up the deck and you have to think of what your 30 ancestors, you know, and I, you know, communicate with all these different things or whatever, like just get, like I said, that, 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 that card of the throne card and just get somebody in your mind that you miss. Maybe somebody who passed away that you love, that you miss, you wish that they were still here in the flesh and you could have coffee with them, whatever, get that person in your mind and put their picture down. Just ask them a question. And pull a card and see what it says. It might have nothing. You might, you might, you might be like, what the heck does this even mean? I don't know. But it might, like me, like that was the first card I pulled was those cards. And I was immediately like, I needed to hear that. And it has to be my dad because of all these cards. Like it's not like it's a small deck. There's a lot of cards in there. Of all the cards I could have pulled, those oh. were the two that I pulled. And that has to say something to me. And again, that dropped my guard as well to go into this a little bit more. And I think we have. Uh, last thing I'll say is I think we have a lot of assumptions around this topic. And I think that we can also, our listeners, we've learned that we have a lot of assumptions about a lot of topics that we've covered on the show because we've been told certain things. You know, this is the way that it is. We've been told not to question it. And now that we're asking questions and we're pulling at these different strings, we're poking holes in different things, we're discovering that a lot of the things that we were told are very black and white are actually very colorful there's actually quite a spectrum of ways to think about these different things. And so I think that when it comes to this topic, again, we've been told it's very black and white, but if we can take that colorful approach to this, just as we've taken it to topics of heaven and hell and atonement and theology and the Bible and inerrancy and all these different things, I think we can find a level of comfort in all of this. To another way of thinking too is like, what if, what if these are all aspects of you? Mm. Right? Are you you're familiar with uh, the process of individuation? Yeah. So that basically is the process of developing our own individuality mm -hmm. separate from the emotions, the thinking, the behavior, yep. right? Friends, family, peers. Um, so and our wellness really depends on that evolution, that great work, mm. right? that evolution um to this the state of personal freedom so these cards also help you break through those limiting patterns it yeah. opens up a dialogue not only right to i mean if if that is the intention if you want to work mm -hmm. do you know what i mean if you want to do the psychic work it, it will definitely help you. Mm -hmm. But if you want to just open up a dialogue with your higher self or your unconscious, yeah. this is a fantastic way to do it. Yeah. I've, I've shared this on the show before, but growing up in the, in the place that I did, I've always had this, I've always had this feeling of like insecurity growing up. Like I'm not good enough. I have nothing good to say, you know, like nobody's going to want to hear me. And so that's something I've always struggled with and wrestled with. And when I was in school, coming from the background I did, it was a very charismatic kind of place. We did a lot of talking about the demonic realm and things like that. And I was always told that that voice inside is a demon. 
and it needs to be cast out of you. So I can't tell you like how many literal deliverance sessions I've been through, like people anointed my head with oil, telling this thing to come out of me in the name of Jesus, all these different things. And for a while, it would always get better, you know, but then it would be like a month later, it's right there back again. And I so was told, I was told, well, it's because you're not reading your Bible enough. You're not praying enough. You're not. So again, it's now it's my fault again. Now the voice just gets even stronger. And so I had a friend though, who said to me recently, he's one of my friends. He's like a mentor to me. He said, what if that's not a demon, but what if that's your inner child? What if that's just part of you who is chattering back to you, the things that he heard growing up? Was there somebody in your life that told you or made you feel like you weren't good enough? I said, yeah, for sure. A very prominent figure in my life. And they said, well, Bieber, that voice. Go pick a card right now. Let's pick a card. Go okay. to the door. Yeah. The card. Okay. Let's do it. Let's see what I got. Mm -hmm. So uh, sometimes too, let me just tell you at this stage, uh, what I would do. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> what I would do sometimes if I were going to do this work is yeah. I would set the, the spirit throne card and I would remove the 10 active love cards, remove mm -hmm. them to the side. This is mm -hmm. just what I've learned. You know, when you're working on a deck, it's theoretical and then sure. you take trenches and you learn things. Sure, sure. Not in the book, yeah. but I would pull, um, I would pull the 10 active love cards out mm -hmm. and, um, uh, and put them face down. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what we're doing is we're, we're asking this, this person basically to come and sit in that spirit throne. So mm -hmm. you, pulled, you pulled him, which is interesting because, um, yeah, that's right. So do, do you have the 10 active love cards that I do. Are... They're separate over here. Separate. Okay, perfect. Okay. So now how do you, how do you understand, <laughs> how do you understand that voice there? Uh, that looks to me to be, I mean, when I, when I look at that card, I think of, obviously it's a religious figure. He's got his, his white collar on. He's got a big cross hanging down. That's the, that feels like the religious soldier that I grew up with. But the feeling I get from it is that is that 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 voice is is maybe bigger, is maybe is not as black and white, perhaps as as you were led to believe that it is. That's that's kind of what I'm hearing in the card is that there's there's a bigger scope than what I've been told. With that card, mm -hmm. we're trying to identify where this insecurity came from. Right. Mm -hmm. So what where that seeding came from. Ah. So with that card comes either the concept of a dogma, an institution, yeah. a um right. So uh to ident like are you able to identify if you just look at that card, can you hear something back? Or what were you told? In other words, what were you told to uh, do? Didn't uh, want yes, to yes, do? yes. Or yeah. what were you prohibited from doing that you did want to do that was authentic? So how does that how does that relate to that card you just pulled? Yeah, so I went to a private Christian school from the fourth through twelfth grades. So from just as a child, I was getting the message of like original sin, you know, that you're born sinful. That right away, right off the bat, you didn't even do anything yet. <laughs> you didn't open your, up your eyes and you're already not good enough. And that was really the message that I got from that. And that's been ingrained in me because, again, I mean, I, I got into that that world very young. And so that was the messaging that I got from. I can hear Bible teachers in my head saying that. 
our pastor from our church would talk about that all the time. And so that was a really deep rooted uh, belief in my, it rooted into my soul, really. So that's, you know, it's a, it's that seeding came from a dogma and an institution um, institutionalized mm. way of thinking that is not the way you are. That's yeah. So now shuffle those 10 active love cards and um, you're going to concentrate on picking one that will speak to you as to how you start or what it is you need to do. It's an, it's a a transactional and energetic uh, energy uh, transaction of energy. It's Mm -hmm. it's an action that you need to do here. So that's going to help you with this. So just pick one card. mumble my way through that see i got the forgiveness and faith Mm. okay so forgiveness and faith are you a it's going to sometimes say are if you are able to forgive the the people who seeded this within you Mm. right if you're unable to forgive then pray for them Mm. And, and also pray for help mm. with the situation. But is forgiveness a possibility here? Or how, how do you understand this card? Yeah, when I when I see when I see that, again for our listeners who are on YouTube, it's there's this like angelic figure with her hand on somebody's head. But when I saw that picture, I envisioned myself as the angelic person putting my hand on the head of the person who told me those things because the way I've approached this topic in other places in my life is that I don't really think those people meant harm. I think that they were only operating out of what they -hmm. believed and what they were taught and what they understood. And they were just kind of passing it along. And I don't think that it was meant maliciously in any way. And so I think if I can look at that person and see myself and them because I used to be that person as well. I would have taught those I taught those same things from the pulpit, but I've grown and I've evolved and I've changed. And then I can have I can forgive them for the things that they they taught me. And I can have the faith to release them from it because I can believe that everybody has the potential to evolve, whether it be in this life or in the next, whatever that might hold for us. But I believe that we can all evolve past the places where we are into something bigger and different and so how um, does that make your your heart feel just even saying that yeah so much better so much better light yeah and there are um the reason that that uh, card was combined is there are certain situations where you know let's let's face it a victim cannot forgive their perpetrator Mm -hmm. so that's where that's where the the prayer comes in. That's mm. when, if you cannot, then you know there's a visualization that you can just sort of remove them, mm-hmm. uh, remove them, but pray for them because throwing bad after bad does no good. It yeah. doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help anything evolve. Yeah, it locks in, uh, locks in crisis and trauma, and uh, it basically you can't change them. All yeah. you can do is change yourself and your yeah. perspective. And um and and lessen that burden. Yeah. So good. Tina, 
we are uh, we are at the end of our time. But this, where did the time go? Where did the time go? We had impromptu readings. Who knew we were going to go this way? But thank you. <laughs> oh no, thank you. It was fun. I appreciate you taking the time for me. And uh, real quick, where can people go to interact with your work online? Do you have a website? Any place you want to point people to? Or uh, I I do. It's under it's under it's going to be under construction. But anyway, Tina at tinahart.ca. Uh, you can reach me there tinahart.ca that's my website it's going to be under construction because you just keep you know reinventing your, yourself well, of course <laughs> that's what we do <laughs> that's what us creative people do <laughs> look like that anymore <laughs> anyway, <Right. laughs> anyway so yes that 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 would be great you can reach me there awesome well, i'll put the links in the show notes and we will do this again sometime soon i'm sure be great so great to meet you awesome